Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McAllen. Today's guest is Carrie Kelly. Carrie Kelly is a featured blind vocalist, author, and speaker on a wide variety of panels, speaking and performance engagements, and TV and radio shows across America. Miss Kelly tells her story of how she was left legally blind, battered, and wounded after being adopted by two families at a very young age. Carrie also tells how she, quote, turned her childhood ordeal into an opportunity, end quote. That opportunity was assisting and inspiring people to overcome adversity. Carrie joins us to talk about her experience and how she speaks out. Welcome to the show, Carrie. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me today. We want to learn more about you, how you became blind, and your life story. Your website, CarrieLKelly.com, says that your biological mother was violently assaulted and the consequence was your birth. Talk more about that. So the social services agency that handled my adoption gave me this information about my birth mother. And basically what she realized is that while she could not terminate her pregnancy, she also knew that she would not be able to raise me with her other children without a reservation. So she left me in the care of social services when I was three days old, and I was adopted into a family when I was nine months old. And you were also adopted again at four years old, too. Yes. Starting with the first adoption at nine months old, that is the adoption where I had an incident where my vision, I, I lost some eyesight. I was... 14 months old when this mother, my new mother, decided that I did not like her because every time she came near me, I would cry. And as her frustration grew, by the time I was 14 months old, she had been beating me. She shook me one day. She shook me. And while she was shaking me, she hit my head hard enough for fluid to build up on my brain. However, she did not get me any medical attention for this incident for a week and a half. So when I was finally hospitalized, multiple surgeries over months of time and medications later, I am left legally blind. That's horrible. I mean, I've heard of cases where babies were shaken and they went blind. It sounds like this was the same case for you. When you went blind, were the doctors able to find a cure for your sight? Or no, they couldn't do anything about it? I'm not really sure what was the actual cause of the vision loss. I'm not sure if it was the shaking or whether it was the head injury. Um, But what it is, is my optic nerves were damaged. So... I wasn't left completely blind. What I say is that I have enough eyesight to get me in trouble, just not enough to get a driver's license. 
I see. So having been injured and placed back into the foster care system, I was then adopted by another family when I was four years old. And the mentality of my new mother for the second adoptive family was that because I was legally blind and other, you know, traits of my being that she thought were um, less than appealing to people that were looking to adopt children. For example, I was this ugly, stupid, nappy-headed, cross-sided child that should be grateful to have been adopted at all. And so I believe that the foster care system broke down on me because they probably felt that for me to be adopted was a load off of their hands because now they don't have to assume the responsibility of trying to foster this injured child. And the family that I ended up in was very abusive on every level from verbal to physical to sexual, and I dealt with all of that starting at age four in my new family, and I was never removed from that family. Consequently, I stayed there. That's awful. But how did you find your purpose and inner strength and turn this difficult childhood into an opportunity? There's a host of um, tools that tools and support that showed up in my life, some of which were wonderful people that bolstered my confidence in their own way. Some teachers that uh, worked with me say things like I was smart and I was clever. There were people in my life that just took time with me and made me feel like they wanted to spend time with me versus putting up with me and tolerating me. So that helped. And the other thing is my music. Being a vocalist and growing up in the Pentecostal church where music is a large part of your experience in that church and gospel music, some of the lyrics are very uplifting and fulfilling your hope and faith. That was an outlet for me. Like when nothing else would work, I could just come up with a song. I could make my own words up and put a little jaunty rhythm to it. And that would lift my spirits. But I also believe that there is a divine core within me that sustained my life. Because the some of the things that I got into over the course of my life could have been life ending or physically detrimental because of my low self self esteem at the time but i believe there were divine invisible breaks that always engaged when i was getting to a point that would have been a point of no return i'm a product of what i call the resilient brilliant, resilient inner spark that everyone has and people just need to see what it looks like. So that's why I'm still here. That's good. And you've 
also assisted and inspired people to overcome adversity in their own personal lives. I was looking at your LinkedIn page and it says that one of the ways that you help others is by being a life coach. As a life coach, you've worked with women 40 and older to overcome their own struggles of past childhood abuse. How do you do this job? blind and help your clients overcome the past struggles and focus on their future accomplishments in life? Well, basically, a coach is there to bring out the best in the person that's already there. For example, in athletics, the coach is never the one playing the game, but the coach is the one pulling the best out of the players, right? Right. And so it's the same thing with life coaching. When I'm working with a client, I don't need eyesight, but I do need vision. And I believe they're two different things. I use my vision to see their brilliant, resilient inner spark. And I let them know what I see that they are capable of. I attach that to help them see it for themselves so that they can live into it. I heard a saying, and I'm not sure where it's from, but it's practice until you become. If you practice being resilient, you become resilient. And as you share your brilliance with other people, the world becomes more brilliant and bright. And it's like that saying, practice makes perfect, right? Yes. And you're also a motivational speaker. What are some of the topics that you speak to the attendees about? Who are your typical audiences and how do you speak out to be featured at special engagements? Basically, people find me. I'm in Toastmasters now. And so with that, that opens up a lot of um, speaking opportunities. And then being an author, that opens up opportunities. And as I share my own personal uh, adversity and how I was able to overcome, that's the way I'm able to inspire other people to overcome their adversity. And what I hear most of the time after I've done a speech is that, you know, after people see what I've been able to do with my life in spite of my harsh beginnings, they feel like they have no excuse not to be able to live into their full potential because they don't have the exact challenges that I do, and they feel more encouraged and able to handle what's coming their way. You mentioned author. You're the publisher of the book titled Black, Blind, and Female. How do you speak out in published works like these, and how do you speak out how did you speak out to even get this book published? Well, basically, I self-published, and that book is just me telling my story, telling the world what happened. And one of the things about people who um, experience abuse in their lives, the hardest part of the healing process for that is telling your story, acknowledging what happened and saying it out loud, for me, it was very cathartic to write it and then put it out there for people to read it. You also tell your life story by putting on very special one-woman shows. 
Your website says that you perform in these special one-woman shows called Somebody Else's Child. Tell us about your experience performing on the stage and how this special venue allows you to speak out and inspire others. Well, first of all, because it is a one-woman show, I am the only one on stage. So I, I get the whole thing to myself. I make it an atmosphere where people can see what it looks like to go through being abused as a child. And then I have given different characteristics or emotions a living, breathing personality with their own monologue, then I leave them with a resilient spirit who comes through and performs the healing and all the upliftment for the wounded one. And at the tail end, I do, I, I share my gift of being a vocalist and I sing an uplifting song at the, um, that's like the finale, the grand finale. I do that because not everyone who has experienced abuse has their voice and has the ability to talk about what they went through and how they feel and how it affects their lives as they grow up, as they grow into adulthood. And so that is what my show is designed to do is give the voice to the voiceless. Now, even though it's on a very serious subject, it must be a little entertaining too, I assume, because I've seen clips of other similar shows like these where you have actors performing and the audience laughs. Is there a little bit of entertainment in this that also can make people happier and, and maybe even laugh a little bit? Yes, I do have I do have some fun characters and I also have a whole monologue about, you know, like I told you earlier, I have enough eyesight to get in trouble but not enough to get a driver's license. Well, I have like this whole 15-minute monologue about trying to convince the DMV that, you know, my one good eye that I have is just as good as the one good eye that people that are driving around not paying attention with both eyes. And why can't I have a license? And I want to drive a race car. And oh, it's on and on and on. And it's a very, it's very funny. You know, I talk about passenger side road rage. And it's my little spiel that I use to lighten the, um, the lighten the subject. I also use, as I'm, you know, doing my childhood characters, my four year old, eight year old, 12 year old self there are funny little one-liners that kids will say. They're not necessarily trying to be funny, but I put them in there because it there needs to be some levity. Absolutely. Now, you got to talk about your vision for a little bit. You you seem to exp- you do explain that you you can see a little bit, but you don't see enough to have a driver's license. We want to know a little bit more about your vision. Can you tell us what you can see? Okay, so the way I explain my vision to people is by if you're looking through a fog, like if it's a foggy day, it's not a real heavy fog, but it's foggy enough to obscure the sharp detail of things. 
how that becomes a challenge for me is with contrast. When there are two colors next to each other, similar, like yellow and orange, if they're right next to each other, it's hard for me to tell which one is yellow and which one is orange unless they're very sharply contrasted. Those subtle pastel colors or things like blue and purple, I can like not really tell which one is which sometimes. The lighting, the glare, there's just all these little things that have an effect on my ability to see everything that I that is around me. But I have enough vision that I don't necessarily use a cane all the time and I'm not able to read braille but it has to be large print black on white or white on black is fine but like for example with web pages when you have a lot of colors and designs and pictures going on in the background of the words it becomes a problem and screen readers are beautiful for things like that and you know, there's a lot of technology that allows me to be very independent. You've been featured in a number of news articles and television programs about your work. Crest TV in San Jose, Landmark Education News, and Outrageously Successful Women Television, or OSWTV. They're just a few of the media organizations that have um, interviewed you. Now you can add ACB Radio to that list. All right. <laughs> Tell us about the challenges and desired outcomes of these media appearances. I can't. I, um, the desired outcome for me is always just another outlet for me to share my story and inspire someone to um, overcome whatever obstacles they are um, faced with at the time. That, you know, that is the 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 desired outcome for me. The challenge is that because my subject matter can be heavy, um, sometimes these venues don't want me to, you know, uh, tell, tell it like it is, so to speak. They, they need me to soft pedal or, um, you know, not be as blunt as, and, detailed as the abuse actually is when it happens. And so um, because I am such a tell it like it is type of person, that becomes a challenge for me and I have to work hard to soft pedal and, um, and so, you know, soften the impact of what I, what I'm talking about. What advice do you have for those who are blind and visually impaired and are currently experiencing any sort of abuse from family, friends, or others out there? I say seek out any and all resources that you can find that will help you get to safety and be safe. Um, there's, there's a lot of resources out there and with modern technology, the way it is, you can almost Google a resource and, and find some, some way to get some help. And when you hit the, the brick wall of 
you feel like somebody is not listening to you or they're not paying attention to you. Keep going. Go to the next one until you find somebody that will believe you and will help you. Good advice. Now, you mentioned resources. Give us a, just give us just a few examples of those resources. Well, the bottom line is if you, you know, if you call, if you can start with your local police department. I mean, because being um anybody that is abusive is breaking the law. Okay? Now, it also, you know, there's all these things that have to be in place in terms of proving it and, you know, all of that. But start there because it's universal. I'm not sure how long, how, where ACB goes, but, um, the law enforcement community is the, is the first line of defense. The second thing is, um, especially if you're visually impaired, um, or blind, you have resources in the blind and visually impaired community that can can step in and help as well. Use those resources as well. Very good. How can our listeners learn more about you? Buy your book and even attend your upcoming speaking engagements and shows. Yes. Um everything is at carrielkelly.com. And I am coming up with a mailing list that will be posted where people can sign up so that they can keep up with what I'm doing. Uh, I will be performing my a, a new version of my one-woman show in October. And so um, I would like to come back and tell your listeners more about that when the time when there's more details available. Okay, we will be there. And is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, if I could leave you with the one thing is to remember that you always have your own brilliant, resilient inner spark. When you recognize it, hold on to it, honor it, and then most of all, share it. Good advice, Will, Carrie. We're grateful that you speak out for us all, and you're the key to helping the blind overcome their own adversity. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Before we go, I welcome your comments on this program. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You may also contact me at mccallen3 at comcast.net. That's M-C-C-A-L-L-E-N, the number three. And don't forget my show website. That's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. Look for additional links to information on today's show under the list of episodes and show news tab. And check out my on-demand show archive at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash the dash blind that's all for this edition of speaking out for the blind thanks for listening and remember to speak out here at acb radio mainstream we are always working to improve the quality of our programming if you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on acb radio mainstream 
please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Affiliates in Action. We advocate for the education, employment, and social inclusion of all blind and visually impaired Americans. Affiliates are really the heartbeat of the organization. The affiliates are are where our members are. Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream, replaying periodically throughout the broadcast day. We really want people to think about listening to ACB Radio to get the latest word on happenings within ACB. Affiliates in Action. The heart and voices of ACB on ACB Radio Mainstream. Together, we can do anything. Mark your calendar April 7th through the 10th. The California Council of the Blind will be streaming its state convention, and we will be bringing you the coverage on ACB Radio live event stream. Watch our lists and Twitter for further information. Meanwhile, mark your calendar April 7th through the 10th on ACB Radio live event stream. ACB Radio. 